This week on episode 144 of the Practically Speaking Mom podcast, we are taking a look back three years ago to episode number nine. One reason I'm sharing this episode is because it is a good follow-up to a recent episode when Rich and I introduced our new series, Uniquely United, to all of you. In episode 139, we discussed two types of people that may be in your home, the fast personality type and the slow personality type. If you have not listened to episode 139, please go listen to that one. It's a game changer in family dynamics. So 139 was about fast versus slow personality types. And in today's episode, we include some very specific examples of ways a parent of a slow personality type can maybe make some changes to to help their child. But first, we spend quite a bit of time in this episode on listener Q&A regarding work ethic and helping our kids to listen the first time. In the show notes, I will have links to the work ethic episode and to the Helping Our Kids Listen the First Time episode, and a link to episode 139 when we introduced the fast and slow personality differences. Again, this is a three-year-old episode, so you're going to hear my daughter, Emma, and she's going to sound so young. And you'll also hear my son, Andrew, who is now about 21, where he was 18 at the time of this airing. You might want to have your sons listen to the last section of this episode. And speaking of sons, in the month of June, I will be giving a spotlight on sons all month. All of the principles that we share in June, however, will apply to boys and girls. But we're showcasing boys in June for two reasons. One, because it's Father's Day in June, and it just seemed like a good time to do this. And two, because I often have given more girl examples than boy examples because my youngest two have been girls. So I've had this vision for several months to put a spotlight on our sons for the month of June. I'll have three different guests on the podcast that have never been on the Practically Speaking Mom podcast before. So it should be a lot of fun. Well, let's get started, mamas, with more intentional right now. Guess what we're doing today? We're celebrating you. All of my awesome listeners who have either left reviews or have sent me feedback or have asked questions. So, hey, Emma, would you be willing to help me out for a minute and read some reviews that people have left on different, I think mostly Apple is the place where you can leave reviews, but when people leave reviews or at least leave how many stars, then that helps other parents be able to find this podcast. You know, their algorithms, there's always algorithms on all of this stuff. And so when people leave a review, that really helps. So thank you to everybody that has. And Emma, would you read a few of the Apple reviews? Yeah, sure, mom. Okay, the first one is from My22QCutie. And she said, great for moms. I love Val's heart for Christ, and I love her passion to encourage moms to take time to nurture their relationships with their kids. She gives great practical advice and biblical encouragement. I think my favorite topic to hear her talk about is working with littles. She has such great ideas that a busy mom can actually find time to implement. I look forward to more episodes and content from this great podcast. And then there's another one from Rocky and Chia. She said, inspiring. 
I love Val's encouraging and inspiring words. Her Christ-centered approach to life inspires me to be a more intentional Christian wife and mom. Curie Sue says, Great tips and encouragement. Wonderful podcast filled with common sense and practical tips for nourishing a strong family. I absolutely love Val and the blessing of her advice. I've gotten to watch her personally build a strong family and incredible relationships all around her. She inspires me from afar. And now I get to have her advice and top tips at my fingertips. This is so helpful as an intentional mom. Hey, Emma. Yeah, Mom? Thanks for reading some reviews on the podcast today. You're welcome. They're really sweet. <laughs> hey, Emma. Yeah? I think you're really sweet. <laughs> <laughs> we have had eight episodes so far, and so many of these questions or follow-up statements uh, that you guys shared will be about those eight episodes. So let's jump right into that. Now, work ethic received a lot of feedback, and so did the episode, the time-saving strategies one where I talked about chores and kids. So let's just look at some of that. Debbie had a great idea about the work ethic episode, and I wanted to share it with you. She had a book recommendation. I am so adding this to my book list. I'm looking forward to reading it. It's called Love Works, Seven Timeless Principles for Effective Leaders. She recommended it for your teenagers to read, and also they make it required reading for all of their employees in their small business. I loved that idea. Really, a large part of work ethic, of having a strong work ethic, is loving other people. If one of our kids is in a room or in a situation where they see someone in need, someone who needs help, and they're capable of helping them, then they should. And that's part of work ethic. That's part of learning to do the hard things because they're the right things. That requires having a lifestyle of good work ethic if we want them to step up to the plate in those times like that. My 18-year-old son, one of the ways he makes income is he is a piano teacher who travels to the students' homes and gives the lessons there. He's just in the habit of when he finishes up, for the day, he will give me a call before he heads home and says, is there anything you need me to get on my way home? You know, maybe I need him to stop at the store or something, which I very much appreciate that he does that. Well, the other day he called and he asked that and I was like, nope, I don't need anything. And he was like, you know what? I saw, he always pulls over to talk on the phone, which is awesome. So he's pulled over when he asked this, but he said, I had just a little bit ago passed someone who was an elderly person working in their yard would you mind, do, does it fit with our family schedule for the evening if I stopped and helped them? And I was like, well, do you feel like God might be wanting you to do that? And he was like, I think maybe, I'm not sure. And I said, well, let's not take any chances. You go do that. Never mind what our family schedule is. You go help in that way. And that's great. So he spent a couple hours helping this elderly person that he didn't know. It ended up being a retired um, Marine. They had a good visit, getting to know each other. I was so proud of him, of course. And that's what we want. We want our kids to have a lifestyle of work ethic. And that comes from, you know, each day having some responsibilities. 
Haley shared some good ideas regarding work ethic. She said, a good piece of advice I got is always give people deadlines. So I implemented this with my teenagers and it worked wonders. I tell my son, the dishwasher needs to be unloaded by 9am every morning. And these two loads of laundry need to be folded by 5pm. The consequences for deadlines not met are more chores. I tell him if the dishwasher isn't unloaded by 9am, you need to reload it too. So I love this because this is about, you know, consequences, really, there's there's a couple of things with them. One, you want them to match the offense. You don't want to give too small of a consequence because that teaches them to have a low standard. It teaches them not to value your word. It teaches them to harbor in their heart, not doing the right thing and being and just being complacent about it. We as humans, when we do something wrong and we know that we do, doing nothing about that makes us feel bad about ourselves. It just, it harbors a lot of unhealthiness in us. And so appropriate consequences can be great. Now, we of course don't want consequences to be too strong either. So appropriate, this is a great example of appropriate consequences. Your relationship really needs you to have a good attitude about consequences. Don't have an attitude of, well, you made your bed, so now you got to lie in it, kind of sarcastic or, or rude or dishonoring ways of giving consequences ruins relationships. Don't do that. Just be as matter of fact as you can about it and be gentle and humble and and grace-filled and merciful, but still have appropriate boundaries with appropriate consequences because they need to be prepared for life. If you let them go through their growing up years not having consequences, then you are not preparing them for the real world and life. But we want to teach them to step up the plate and do what is right and be reliable and responsible while they're in our home, because our consequences are going to be given lovingly and mercifully and appropriately, where consequences out in the world are not going to be that way. So they're either going to learn them in our home, and we can save them from a whole lot of heartache later, or they're going to learn them later in a much more heartache-filled way. So I love that, Haley. Thanks for sharing that great advice. The teenage years are interesting. You know, self-discipline versus discipline, which that doesn't apply just to the teenage years, but we're really wanting our kids to develop self-discipline. So when we give them a real concrete, I need this done by this time, this would be the consequence. That's great and cut and dry and clear. And there's no reason for, for disharmony then in our relationship, unless we start nagging, unless we start sliding and not really giving them the consequence. That's when it starts getting messy in the relationship. Another listener question is, also based on the work ethic one, what if you have a child who has a more passive personality? How do you motivate them to work? That's a great question. We have two options there. We can lower the standard for that child or we can help that child rise to the standard, which would be better for their future. That's what we want to look at. And then if we determined, okay, it would be better for their future if they learned to have excellence, even in that area of their life that comes difficultly for them. Here's the cool thing. Most of the time, our kids' weaknesses are strengths 
in disguise. It's like the strength is all inside a treasure chest and the weaknesses have it all locked up. And we want to help them throw off the weaknesses or work on the weaknesses so that you can unlock that treasure chest and experience the strength. I have a son that he's got a more slow personality. Well, I used to just think it was slowness, but you know what it actually was? And and I discovered this as I discovered the aspects of how God designed my son. You know, we want to be discovering our children. God created each of them uniquely with all of these wonderful, hidden wonderfulnesses, and we want to discover those and hone them and help them to balance their life. And that's just one of the great privileges of being a parent is studying our child. So as I studied Andrew, I discovered that his slowness is not that he's slow, really, it's that While the average person might be thinking about three different angles of how they're going to do this job that they've been told to do, or this do this chore, or write this paper, or whatever, he's thinking about 30 different angles about that. And so that takes more time to think of the 30 instead of the three. When I recognize that, then I can appreciate that about him, and it's meant that he's developed a great engineering mind. He's able to analyze problems so much more effectively than I ever could because he looks at it from 30 angles. So that's awesome. And that's great. And I can celebrate that. But I need to help him understand that that analytical mind is in a treasure chest that needs to be unlocked for the world to really experience the awesomeness of Andrew. He has to learn how to do things more quickly in the meantime. And how can he do that? So let's give an example. Reading. He was also a very slow reader because he was making sure he thoroughly understood everything he read before he would move to the next sentence. And that's time consuming, right? So we would embrace that in some ways and and at some times. But then I also wanted to teach him the skill of reading quickly, even though he didn't fully understand. It's sort of like the average person is comfortable with understanding 50% or 75% of what they're reading as they read, and they're fine with continuing on. But he wanted to understand at a 100% level before he continued on. And I needed to get him comfortable with um, maybe 90 or 95 at first, and then 90, and then 85 and 80. And without squandering the fact that he's being thorough and understanding it completely. That's awesome. And I want to celebrate that, but I also want to teach him that there's going to be situations where you just got to read quickly, whether you are understanding it at a hundred percent or not. We would um, have him set a timer and he would see how far he could read in five minutes. And then he'd write that on the page or he would time how long it took him to complete a page. And he would write that at the bottom of the page. And so different days, we'd track it different ways. But every day, we were having him practice continuing to read forward, even though he wasn't at 100% of understanding it. Those are some examples of you, you celebrate their strength but help them see that right now their strength is being covered up with the weakness that is attached to that strength and helping them overcome that and balance it out. 
there's a book called Strength Finders. And actually, right now, it'd be Strength Finders 2.0. It comes with a test. And that test helps a student to discover their strengths. And also, then, in the book, it explains these are the common weaknesses that tend to be attached to those strengths. So that's a great book to go over too with your older students, your teenagers, and helping them recognize, I have strengths, that's awesome. I need to work on the weaknesses associated with that strength. So hopefully that helps a little bit in that category. Let's see if I can cover another question. And it stems from the week where we were talking about how to bring value to your words as a mom so that your kids will listen the first time you tell them something. And the question was, what do we do if we haven't been doing that? Maybe we used to be good at getting our kids to listen the first time, but we've spent several months or weeks or years not doing that. What do we do now? That was asked in our Facebook group, Intentional Mom Strong Family. Someone had responded to the podcast asking that question. And then one of the other listeners jumped on there and said, well, I apologize. And I recognize that God is going to help me. And we move forward that way. And so I loved that answer. That's one of the things is apologizing. You know, sometimes when we make mistakes as mom, and we apologize to our kids about that, that's a more effective lesson in their life than we if we had gotten it right at the beginning. Mom, you're going to have mistakes and those mistakes, you can even celebrate those, that they're an opportunity for growth and bonding between you and your kids. It can be very bonding to apologize to your kids and to ask them to pray for you. That's another thing with that. I have often had to ask forgiveness for how I wasn't handling something right as mom, and then asking them, can we pray right now for me to do better on this? And will you please be praying for me other times? You see, as moms, it's not our role to be perfect. It is our role to model for our kids. This is what it looks like to be a person who grows, to be a person who apologizes, to be a person who learns from our mistakes, to be a person who listens to God for for direction in our life. And then we can be moldable to his direction. It can be exciting Let them see you be excited that God is showing you something new in your character that you can work on. Let them see that. That can help them know, hey, I when I make mistakes, I'm going to be okay too. Mom grows. Mom flexes. Mom apologizes. I can do this. It helps them understand God better because they're seeing that God is a merciful God and He forgives. He has grace. He helps us to do better next time. He guides us to the right way to do things that are effective for our life to give us a life of abundance in Him. So mom, don't, don't be discouraged when you haven't done it perfectly. There is no mom who does it perfectly. But we can model how to have a real active relationship with Jesus and a, a real active relationship with our kids where we just be real with them and speak from our heart with one little warning here, mom. Don't apologize and then not really take that situation seriously tomorrow. 
They need to see that you really, truly are growing and changing. If we give our kids constant inconsistency, where we're dramatically apologetic today and then just lukewarm about it tomorrow, that is a very unsafe environment for them. They don't feel confident in their life when they do that. Their environment is unpredictable and they don't thrive in that setting. So if you really want to help them thrive, model growth to them. Don't model dramatic, wishy-washy back and forth. That's not helpful. So be encouraged when you made a mistake that God is growing you and God is giving you an opportunity to show your kids how to grow. Intentional mom, I just want to thank you that you guys give me feedback and questions and All of that is wonderfully encouraging to me, and I just want you to know I pray for all of you, and when you give me questions, I pray about it. Sometimes I pray about it for a couple of days before I reply to you, because I want to give you uh, an answer that, that truly maybe you're needing right then. So I apologize if I'm not always quick, but I want you to know I'm always sincere. Since I mentioned Andrew a minute ago, I thought we would just bring him on and visit with him a little bit. Hi, Andrew. Hi. (laughs) What I wanted to ask you about was a book that I had you read called Do Hard Things. And you are the fifth in our family. So there's two younger girls than you. There's two older boys than you and two older girls than you. And I've had all the older ones read this book, Do Hard Things. I wanted you to tell us a little bit about this book. Well, this book has really inspired me in a lot of ways, particularly the stories um, of all the young teenagers that really took initiative um, and stepped out of their comfort zones and did big things that that God placed on their hearts. One teenager uh, named Zach Hunter really stepped out. His story inspired me because he was a young teenager when he launched a uh, campaign against slavery. Zach's campaign raised awareness and money for uh, modern-day slavery. Um, he spoke at events. His his uh, campaign spread around the world. And it was that was just really inspiring to me that a young person with passion like that was willing to step out, willing to take initiative and go beyond his fears um, and comfort zone, coming out of a um, uh, an anxiety lifestyle that he had, just speaking um, at big events like that. That's just one story of many in that book that would inspire teenagers to act and even older people than that, showing that it doesn't take trained people to do big things. It doesn't take, you know, it really just takes passionate and genuine people and in these cases, uh, who are seeking to honor God with their life um, to fulfill their holy ambitions. In the show notes, I will share a link to this book, Do Hard Things. And Andrew, you weren't expecting this question, but I just want to ask you, you're in a, a engineering program right now. What difference has learning a strong work ethic, what difference has that made with your professors or in any other interactions? Working hard and showing that you value hard work stands out. I've uh, heard from my teachers, they they can recognize those who work hard, those who, um, and, and bosses too, they recognize those who, who work hard, those who value hard work, um, those who are willing to go the extra mile, and not just that, but willing or, or 
who are really seeking to, in school, understand the material and at work, really understanding the employer's goals and desires in order to become the best that they can be, whether the best student or the best employer that they are able to be. One of the things that I do this is I, I always remember uh, in Colossians 3 where it talks about working with all of your heart is working for the Lord. I remind myself of that probably daily, just remembering that I'm doing it for God. I'm doing it not just for the grades, not just for accolades, but I'm giving my best. I'm giving um, my my full effort because that's what God has given me, and I need to be a good steward of that. And also because I'm serving the Lord through that. And another scripture, it talks about in whatever you do, giving glory to God, doing it for the glory of the Lord. I have sought to do that with how I work, with how I work on school, with how I work at a job, just doing it to the best of my ability for the glory of God. And I think employers and teachers notice that. I just have to tell you, well, first of all, thank you for answering an additional question when I know you are not one who likes the limelight. So it means a lot to me that you would come on and share. And I just have to tell all of you who are listening, this guy humbles me every day. He challenges me to be um, a better mom and to be who he deserves and who my other kids deserve as a mom. Andrew, I'm just proud of you. I'm so thankful for the man that you are, that you are humble, that you listen to the Holy Spirit speaking to you in your life, that you are someone who grows, and you're someone who displays every day, putting others' needs ahead of your own. Thanks for being on the show today. Do you think you'd be willing to do my outro? Absolutely. Okay. Let's do it. If you found this podcast to be helpful, we would be honored if you would leave a review, share it with others, subscribe to the podcast, and join in the Practically Speaking Mom online community through Instagram and Facebook at Practically Speaking Mom. You can also join the Intentional Mom Strong Family private Facebook group to interact regularly with Val and lots of other Intentional Moms. Again, that's the private Facebook group Intentional Mom Strong Family. Mom is looking forward to spending time with you again next week, right here on the Practically Speaking Mom podcast, the place for an intentional mom to build a strong family.